0: Hello, hello hello everybody hello. it is friday afternoon at 2 p.m eastern which means this must be another kick-ass career conversation <laughs> i'm kim
1: i'm louise <laughs> i'm regine nice to see everyone
0: regine <laughs> is here with us today we're so excited you're here and we're excited to share your story and your thoughts and your wisdom um, with the world um, Before we dive into all of that goodness, though, I would love to know, friends, what are we celebrating this week?
2: I'm celebrating today. It feels like September 1st is like it's the January 1st for me. It is like when I feel like the page turns um, fall uh, school Uh, Right, all a whole bunch of new beginnings have always been a part of my September, uh, and that doesn't change um, for me. And so I'm just really leaning into today being kind of the first um, of this next. I guess cycle for me this next whatever that brings having fantastic conversations with people a little bit about reinventing and relaunching myself and my brand um it just feels really kind of refreshing even though it's fall um it is a new beginning uh for me anyway so that's what I'm celebrating. Jean how about you what are you celebrating?
1: It's really interesting to hear you say that because I always tell people that my September is my January and you're the first person I've ever met that said that. <laughs> and, I, and I always thought it was because I was in school and you're a kid and like, but it's carried with me. I haven't been in school in, in almost 20 years. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I'm also celebrating that. I'm, I'm also celebrating just the, uh, there's something about this season that's bringing a lot of clarity for me. And I have been saying for months, I can't wait to get to September 1st. And I just something felt like there was something going to be magical about like that flip. And so the two dates ahead of my head were September 1st, September 27th, and October 15th. And so I just feel like those dates for me are, so I'm just celebrating making it here and um, being with you all today. Well, we're so glad to have you here. And it is, I, I too, September is always January for me
0: as well. Um, part of it is school for sure. And I worked in a school for almost a decade. So that that absolutely impacted it. It's also the Jewish holidays. So, um, leaning into that. And even though I don't always, it doesn't always look the same every year, how I celebrate it. Um, that it is that feel that's that it's, it's the refreshing it's the rejuvenation, but it's also an opportunity to reflect and look ahead. Um, and to, to think about what am I doing? I spent probably about an hour, and almost an hour and a half today. Um, And it wasn't planned. I just was like, you know what? I have this time. This is what I'm going to use it for. Um, Doing just that. Thinking about, and it's. I normally do it at quarter end, um, getting into uh, start of the next quarter. And I just felt like, no, today, September 1st, it's a Friday. I want to do this. I want to lean into this. And so really just reflecting on the summer, reflecting and looking ahead into the fall and thinking about what do I want September to look like for me? So I'm on board with this conversation about celebrating September 1st, 100%. I'm also celebrating that I took the hour and a half for myself the way that I wanted to. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Lovely.
2: I love it. So
0: let us let the world know, Regine, who you are, um, I'm going to read your bio that you shared with us, and um, and then I know Louise has a fabulous question she wants to ask you. So Regine is a multi-passionate entrepreneur, a forever Haiti optimist, a social impact fanatic, and mom. She is the co- co-founder of Issy. Is that right? Issy. East, East and Low, an online shop for, I've heard you say your daughter's name a million times and I'm so sorry I got it wrong. Um, An online shop for Caribbean inspired goods and uh, for kids, books, toys, instruments, and more. She's the principal and chief strategist of a boutique consulting firm. And she's also the Haiti country manager of a digital communications country. Um, She sits on two Haiti related boards. Um, I'm not sure, um, do you have a passion for Haiti? (laughs)
1: <laughs> no <laughs> it's not obvious yeah, it is it's the, <laughs> the pulling stre- thread and as I get older it um, I realize it's not just Haiti. it's it's like that that sort of understanding if like if we all don't make it then none of us do. And so for me, it's been Haiti um, for sure, but as I get older, I realize I'm, I just really really have a strong passion about impact and I have a very strong justice leaning. And this was my immediate because I'm Haitian and um, I grew up in the U.S. because we couldn't grow up in Haiti. And it was my, I endeavored to be able to say, I'm gonna raise my kids in Haiti, um, which the plan has has changed yet again, another generation of that. But yes, I am very passionate about Haiti, passionate about development, passionate about everyone should have the basic minimums in life. Um, And yeah, it's been the blueprint of a lot of my decisions.
2: How has that, tell, tell us a little bit about like, like career wise and professionally, how that, like that thread has kind of brought you through to where you are now.
1: Yeah. Um, it's funny. It is. I feel like this is the first year I feel like where everything has come together. I always knew it would come together, but I think from outsiders looking in, they were kind of like, this is like the most like sort of, way of of going about a career. So I'm a lawyer by training, and I've wanted to be a lawyer my whole life. Since I was a kid, I said I was going to be a lawyer because I always understood that everything that was wrong in Haiti was because the law didn't exist. And that's like so beautiful for a child because it's so simple. And then as you get older, you realize that the law is so complex and so nuanced and economics play into it, like so many social factors, so much prejudice, so much isms that the world has pulled over, but at the time that was my thought process and I completed it. I was like very, I'm type A plus plus. So I was very, very focused. I graduated early. I was a lawyer by the time I was 24 and I knew that's why I went to law school, but I understood that I wanted to be a corporate lawyer because as an immigrant child is drilled into that, you need to make a lot of money. And so um, I, I endeavored for that. I was in white collar criminal defense and then the earthquake happened in 2010. And I said, you know, the economy is terrible. Being a corporate lawyer, shockingly, does not vibe with a lot of my principles. And I was seeing and hearing things that were a little challenging for me um, and my ethos. Um, but interestingly enough, I really appreciated the work itself. I loved the strategic the strategy behind it. I loved the numbers behind it. I loved like the putting the pieces together. So there's some part of my brain that is very corporate in the sense that I like the building blocks piece of it. And so I took that and I said, okay, I'm going to go to Haiti for three months and work as a human rights lawyer. As you, many of us listening and you all will know, like you don't really do much in three months. That's like one quarter. Um, But you know, when you're 24, everything seems plausible and possible. And so I was like, okay, three months, I'm gonna, you know, do a lot of stuff. And it didn't. And so I stayed. I stayed for 12 years. Um, I started off as a human rights lawyer in Cite Soleil, which is a, a shanty town. Like, a, I guess the, the, in, the really improper word for it is slum, but maybe that's what we, like, will all fully understand. But it's like an informal settlement that is just very, very blighted. Um, at some point, the UN had called it, like, the most dangerous place in the world. And for me, it was, like, one of, like, it was a massive learning ground for me. And I went in there with all of these ideals again because, you know, at that time, at that point, I was 25. You know, I was just, you know, 25 eager. And people kept on asking me for jobs when I was telling them about their rights to education and water. And they were like, are you aware of where you are working? And so I started into this path to create jobs because I realized that people weren't coming to me because I was a lawyer. They were coming to me because I'm American and they thought that I somehow. Understood the immigration process. They didn't realize that if you're American, you really don't understand the immigration process because you've never had to go through it. Um, I was born in the U.S., so I had I had no clue. Um, and so that's started. It started as like I married my passions for Haiti. I married my passions for corp- the corporate side, building blocks, creating solutions, creating businesses, and that's informed my entire career. Um, a lot of strategy, a lot of operations, um, a lot of just impact like. The ways to efficiently impact and create jobs and make sustainable solutions um in a particularly in a country where it's very challenging to do so in the process i fell more in love with my haitian roots and and so i have been currently now i have east and which is um, a children's brand that's inspired by the caribbean and inspired by my love for it. in the process that i took to learn more about being haitian and so I, I wanted to like front end all those things for my child and also mm-hmm. for other parents. And so we do toys, we do all the things that you just don't learn as well, if you're not living in it. Um, I also, before that, I was a country director for a small nonprofit in the countryside. I did you know, agribusiness for fisheries, um, for, I did community development programs, schools. I had a food and beverage company for a number of years. So that made us work quite a bit in agriculture. And so the strain was always, I'm passionate about Haiti, which I've now learned it's not just Haiti. I'm passionate about impact and baselines for all humans. And obviously Haitians are a category of people that are systematically removed from that equation. My love for corporate and my love for strategy. And so that just ends up that I end up being like essentially at this point a serial entrepreneur, even though I consider myself very risk adverse. I love that. So. In a nutshell.
2: I love that. In a nutshell. Um, you know, Kim and I, we talk a lot about kind of this power of crafting our own careers, right? And really kind of grabbing onto our identity as we do so. Uh, and then, and it sounds to me, Regine, like you have been able to like just be really intentional about what that looks like, what that feels like. What are your thoughts around like challenges that like not everybody does that. It, it would be a fantastic yeah. world if we could. What do you think yeah. some of those challenges are that people come up against where they're, they don't, they're not doing
1: that. A lot of it is perception. And then the second is means. I, I've been thinking a lot about this is that I don't think I would have done this if I was living in the U S like I, I look at my, my peers um, being in Haiti at the time where I, when I was in Haiti, like right after the earthquake, there was just a lot of dreamers in one space. Um, it just challenged me in, in ways that I would not have been challenged um, here um, because there are so many set paths for you. Like the path mm-hmm. is like very beaten. Like so you don't, if you veer off the path, everyone thinks you're like, there's something very wrong with you. And I people thought there was something very wrong with me, but they were so distant. And so it wasn't like daily I had to hear, oh, this is a very odd career projection and my bills were paid and I was gaining a lot. I was learning a lot and I was, you know, creating things that I really valued. And so I think it was just easier for me and I didn't have to deal with people's perceptions of me up close. And so I am cognizant of that when I speak with others, other people who have not had that, that experience. And I'm realizing now how much of a blessing that was because I really got to have like, my career was my playground. And mm-hmm. on the flip side of it, I have such like incredible depth and breadth of skills. I'm not sure I would have developed other places, or if I did, it would have taken me a lot longer.
2: Yeah, um, that I love that my career was my playground. I saw I wrote you- that one down <laughs> because, <laughs> like, like this, this very like it's just this place to experiment and explore and and it's so true that uh, i think you know that beaten path it's not just that w- that so many of us are on that path and we think that's the only path but it's like we have these like like walls that come up on each side of the path and we can't even see over we can't see other paths we can't see what other people are doing we just we don't have that exposure to 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 different yet kim and i talk every week about people to people about their crayon scribble of a career path. Um, And, and so, yeah, it is about kind of lowering those walls to say, Hey, like anything, like literally anything is possible when you are connected to yourself and you can start Mm -hmm. to bring those things closer to you. Yeah,
1: for sure. For sure. And it's, it's, it's a challenge to stay connected to yourself because I think we're all so trained to not listen to ourselves and, Myself, I'm going through yet another move. And so in 2021, we moved from Haiti after my husband was, oh, is, do you hear a beeping? Nope. no, nope. You're good. Oh, okay. Um, my husband was attacked in Haiti during, so he got caught up in all the insecurity and, and we moved. And so this is when you start to hear the challenges like, oh, what are you doing? Why don't you move back to the U.S. and do this? And then again, we're just, you, it's the constant people are not very kind or very limited in how they they say things. And I think a lot of it is not just like their perception of you. Sometimes you living your life the way you want to live it on your own terms, somehow people take that as an affront to how they have decided to live their lives, which has mm. nothing to do with them. You're living your life. But it's like, it's it's very similar to like parenting. I I've, I've found like if you parent a certain way, somehow it's like, you know, if you breastfeed, it's somehow like, an affront if you, if you don't, it's, it's just a very bizarre, like, it's like you living your life has nothing to do with somebody else doing it differently. It's just how I'm living. It's not, I'm not critiquing how you're doing it. And so I find that people that self critique is out loud and, um, it's hard. And so I, 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 I again, I just, I'm not sure if I would have, maybe I would have, but I'm not sure if I had lived in the US I would have had the, the capacity and the courage to not beholden to those opinions of all the people around me.
0: Yeah. Cause that really presses in, doesn't it? It's like, Ooh, you can't hear yourself. It's deafening. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had this conversation with a client yesterday. I said, all the voices you're hearing are, are not yours. So how do you turn down that volume? And, and it, it kind of comes to this um, idea that we wanted to talk about today, this idea of learning and unlearning. Right, we learn a certain way to do something, and sometimes it is the the path that feels right for us. And sometimes we recognize we're not on the right path. This isn't working for me. And but we still have this deafening sound of everybody else's opinion on what we need to be doing with our work, with our career, with our business, with our children, with our lives. Right. So I'm curious with each of us, like, how have we navigated this, this thing of this learning?
1: And unlearning. I'd love to have somebody hear somebody else first. <laughs> I'm in a relearning phase right now.
2: Well, that's that's kind of that's kind of it, right? Like it is about kind of challenging what we believe to be true, um, and and leaning into that. Um, I remember, I'm going to share a story. Um, I remember when I started coach training, right? I had come to coaching later in life. I left my corporate life behind me. Um, And and was looking for something, again, where I could make a bigger impact in the world, because I certainly wasn't doing it at the transportation company I was working for so far away from my values. Right. Um, And and I remember being there and having the question posed to me about challenging our limiting beliefs and challenging the stories that we carry with us. And I was in a place where it's like, well, I can't do that. I can't challenge somebody else's stories. Like story, people can believe whatever they want to believe. I it's not my role to challenge that. Um, and I carried that. That was like this this piece of me where I wasn't even challenging my own beliefs or my own stories. And so, like when when we talk about kind of unlearning, for me, it is very much about. Not just identifying what those stories are, but really like leaning into this, this place of like, it kind of is just made up, (laughs) right? Like it is. And, and, and then putting that into place. But for me, that whole, that, that was a big hurdle for me to say, like, how can I get past that? My own limiting beliefs or coaching people through their stories or what they're beholden to. Um, But I have to, it it was a process for me to actually like unlearn that piece. Like that the, I had to rewind that tape in my head so that I could start a new tape, a new recording, a new path. So that's kind of, you know, when, when we, for me anyways, that's that unlearning piece is that identifying it, but then stepping back and, um, in a way so that we can re-record a new story or a new belief.
0: So lose what was that catalyst, right? So you're talking about being in coach training and and kind of um hearing something was was it hearing enough times outside of yourself that there's this other way of doing something? Was that the catalyst or was there another catalyst for this unlearning phase?
2: Well, for me, it wasn't like this aha, right? Like Mm -hmm. sometimes I think we sit there and we wait for like, this thing to hit us and change our lives or change our perspective or whatever that is. For me, it was a lot slower. It was like this, this continual, like I'm coming up against a wall and I'm hearing the same thing over and over again. What's holding me back is myself. What's holding me back are my stories and my beliefs over and over and over again. And so it was never like I, I sat down and went like, Oh crap. Well, wasn't that just the most revealing thing I ever heard? It never, that never happened. Right. It was more of this like progression, but but continually like I am at a wall and and again and again and again. And then for order for me to move forward, I have to rewind it. It, 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 it was it was that process for me. It didn't hit me out of the blue. And then the next day my life changed. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I wish it was, but it's not always like that. Right. And I okay. think, again, that's another story that we can fall into, like that we wait for this like critical moment or this critical time or this pivotal point that just like, all of a sudden it's like, Oh shit. Like, right. I better change my ways. It doesn't, it doesn't really happen that way.
1: Right. Yeah. It, it almost kind of sounds like the way you describe it, it's like a survival piece. Like it's like, And sometimes people call it like serendipity, or it's like, what is? it's like, sometimes you just do things because you have to, like, it's like that force of evolution. And for me, I think that's what it is. It's like, I, I have to unlearn these things, or I would, I would cease to exist because I can't exist the way we're told we have to exist. And so I just have to Like there's, it's hard. I think it'd be easier if I just like reckoned with the fact that I, this is a process I'm going through and this is what I'm doing. And, but I have just like, sort of like, it's just like grown out of a necessity and I'm just now at this stage, putting a name to what I've been doing for the last few years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, both of you are talking into kind of that evolution and that process, right? It's not the snap your fingers and oh, okay, now I know I need to learn this or unlearn that, right? Yep. It's this, it's almost stumbling into it yep. and then recognize it. It's like stumbling into a dark room and then turning on the light switch, but it's not as fast as like these kind of light switches. It's like turning up the, um, I'm thinking like a flame, flame, like the old fashioned lights the oil lamps. Why couldn't I come up with oil lamps? Yeah. It's like turning on an oil lamp. Because it's like, if, if you think about that, you get this little glow, right? And then eventually a bigger glow. And then eventually you can actually see around the entire room. And you're going, oh, I get it. I'm actually in the bedroom and I've been here the whole time. But we don't have that clarity. And I think to me, that's That's the interesting place is we think we need clarity from the start, right? We need to, like, I need to be clear on this path, on this journey, on this part. And yet the clarity generally doesn't come until you're already halfway down, three quarters of the way down. Sometimes you get to the end and you look back and go, oh, now I get it. And so I, I feel like we do this weird thing to ourselves where we put all of this pressure on ourselves to say, I'm going to unlearn this behavior. I'm going to change this habit. I'm going to write whatever it is that we've now noticed about ourselves, but we don't recognize the, what we've already done because yeah. that clarity doesn't come until the end. Yeah. For
2: sure. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, hiking in the early morning. like So here in Winnipeg in the dead of winter <laughs> Only get a few hours. wait right. somebody hikes
0: in the dead of winter in
2: Winnipeg. So, well, you have to. <laughs> but like, 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 if I waited for the sun to come up, like my day is half done, right? Mm-hmm. And so, if I want to be doing this, if I want to be going hiking, I have to start when it's dark. Um, and um, I can't always see where I'm going. I can't see the path, um, but I can make it out. And as, right, as Dawn approaches, right, you make out more and more of what's going on, and there's more detail, and there's more color, and there's all of these things. But if I, absolutely, Kim, you're right, if I waited, I would miss an opportunity to get farther down the road. Um, And just because it's light out, doesn't mean I know anything more than I did two hours before. Um, And so, yeah, it's absolutely this idea of like, of moving, right, and moving forward. um, And, and, and leaving some of those beliefs behind that I that I must know my next step before I take my next step.
0: I feel like there can be a lot of grief that comes up when when we've recognized that we've believed something that we no longer want to believe or that we've been living a certain way that that we no longer want to live. I feel like grief is something that we're not prepared for when we when we take a look at our lives. I don't know, maybe that's just my experience, but does that resonate with either of you?
1: Yes. Yeah, I'm just realizing now just how much grief I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why I don't understand I had a hard time understanding grief as I I've always thought it meant like it had to be about a person like it had to be like you missed you lost a person you're missing but you can have so much grief about many 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 things and I'm realizing now I have a lot of grief about what could be um, And so for example, even just in relationship to Haiti, I have so much grief about the people and what they could have been absent all of these problems. Like just before we we joined this call, I was telling you about the, um, the Mancala boards that we have. And so for the viewers, I, one of the games we have, the toys that we have, um, at my, my East at our, our children's company is a Mancala board. We call it Tukai, um, which means house of holes. And the person who painted them, painted them freehand. I wish I had one with me to, to show you. And it's just like, so incredible that he just like, and I remember when I was trying to, like, negotiate the price with him for the painting, he was like, but it doesn't take me much longer than if I just painted it without the design. And I just have so much grief about how many people are like that, where it's like, what could have been with a different set of circumstances? And I, I have it for everything. Like, I think to myself, like, when I meet, like, even my relationship with... Um, with adults that are in my family, I think what could have been if they were parented differently because I just see the difference, and I'm like, what could? Sometimes I think, what could I have been if if there were different circumstances? And and it's just it's so much grief. And then I, I it, for me, I don't know if either one of you are like this, but I although I'm a type A plus, like I always say, like I do feel very deeply, and I sometimes think that, or probably the type A plus plusness is a match to that so that if I, because if I didn't, I would be in like a constant state of like inability to be like, I'd be paralyzed by how much grief I feel about what could have been like, what could have been with society if there weren't these kinds of discrimination? What could have been if like, if wealth was distributed properly? What could be if we could stop being so selfish about medicine? And so for me, coming to terms with the fact that I can grieve things has been like immensely like helpful because before it would just, it shows up in your body. Like it shows up as back pains, it shows up as knee pains and, and whatever. And just going through that process and realizing, naming it, like I'm feeling grief. I'm feeling grief about the fact that this level of unfairness has resulted in this. And this is actually what my, my life's passion has been. And it has played out in Haiti, but the base of it is that I just I have a lot of grief about what could have been if things were different.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. And it it you said naming it, right? And so naming it as grief or naming it as whatever it is that you're feeling is such a huge part of allowing ourselves to process it and release it. And when I say release it, it I I think people think that when we release things, we forget, right? That it's like, oh, it's done, it's over, you know, let it go, let it go. Well, no. <laughs> no. It's just we have a different relationship with that fact, that that existence, right? It's that grief is there over this man who makes these beautiful works of art not having the the not having the respect and the um honor, at least honorarium in terms of money, that he would if he lived elsewhere. Yeah. And It's also being able to release that and say, that is how it is. And I am in pain because of that. And I am doing X, Y, and Z because I've now had that experience and that understanding.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We don't become a hostage to it. Right. Right. I think that's really that release piece is that, yes, it's there. And I am a fully autonomous human and I'm, I'm not, I'm not letting that grief, um, Put me into a place where I can't function or I can't do important work um, because it can feel very much like we are hostage to almost any emotion. Right? Uh, can overwhelm us.
1: Yeah. And uh, being hostage to it, hostage to it, I think is something that I was for many, many, many years. And then it's recognizing it. And then you, and you have grief about having let yourself be hostage for so long. <laughs> oh, yeah. feel oh, yeah. much more if I wasn't hostage to this feeling. Yeah. yeah it's, um, everything is
2: <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we can have feelings about feelings about feelings. And it just, like,
0: right? It can bully Or me. thoughts about thoughts about thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> or thoughts about feelings and feelings about thoughts. <laughs> we have it all. Because yeah. humans, we are messy. We are messy as humans. And that's where I think this idea of learning and unlearning is so cool to just stop and reflect on for a minute because we do it all the time. We have opportunities to do it all the time, right? I think, Louise, it goes back to what you were saying of of allowing ourselves to understand that there are are times when we are creating limitations um, through our thoughts, through our behaviors, um, through our actions, through our beliefs. Um, recognizing those moments where we can take back our own power, right? We can reclaim our power and to say just because this is how it was doesn't mean it's how it has to be. And we get to release that that hostage state. We get to release the thoughts on the thoughts and the feelings on the feelings and like that cycle that we get ourselves stuck in. But we have opportunities to do it as parents. We get opportunities to do it as business owners. We get opportunities to do it as employees. We get it up as partners, like in all of these different and, and just to how we show up in the world, what we choose to wear during a day, right? We get those opportunities. Oh, I can't wear this right? I can't wear this because, Louise, I know you love talking about sweaters. (laughs) (laughs) I do. What what do you do when you're like, oh, I can't put that sweater on? People will laugh.
2: Well, and we've talked about this before, right? And it is really about being able to lean into that. Those are scary places, right? Very, very scary. Uh, when we try something new or try something different, uh, it can feel really heavy. Um, and all we're talking about is trying on a freaking sweater, right? And, and, and releasing some of the pressure that we put on our careers or on some, on some of our choices. Um, it, it doesn't have to be so heavy, um, but we need to lean in and try it on. Um, we don't know how it's going to feel. or or how it's gonna look, right? We might think, ooh, that's not my color or that's not my size. And it's like, yeah, but you don't really know until you try it on. Uh, And you have a look at yourself um, and you feel it, uh, right? And how good you feel in it or how tight it is or whatever that could be. Um, That's really, I think what we're talking about here too, right, Is, is being able to lean into that exploring space, that scary space of because if it like when you talk about unlearning, uh Kim, right, immediately it's that little perfectionist piece that bubbles up in me and says, uh-uh, I learn, I know, I'm an expert. I need to know more, I need to know more, I need to know more, right? I need to know how to do, do, do. And it's like, oh, but what if what if I need to unlearn something uh to to take a new approach or I need to unlearn, right? My Color palette or what looks good on me so that I can try on a different sweater. Yeah.
0: You're the only one that gets to choose. That's the thing. We forget we're the only ones that get to choose. And it's okay. Oh, man. I had this is another conversation I had earlier today. It's like I don't have to pick one offer and put it on my website and never have another offer again. I'm like, you're right you don't you get to actually like you live into it for a little while if it doesn't work you try something else or maybe you offer something in addition to it or maybe you tweak it from time to time you are in charge you get to choose and if you have 50 different sweaters that are totally different looks you get to have a different look every day but we forget that because we're humans
1: and you're constantly told you're not allowed to. Yeah, that noise, right? There's so much noise.
2: Well, even like, Regine, you were talking, like, before we came on air about your market research and, like, how, like, even, like, you go out and you, like, are actively looking for, like, an answer or, or something out there. It's still, like, you think you have it buttoned down and then yeah. real life.
1: Yeah, real life <laughs> happens. Like, 95% of market research is always incorrect. And I... <laughs> insist on doing it.
0: (laughs) Well, you're trying to build consensus. You want to make sure you're putting out the products that the people want. And then they're like, yeah, absolutely. I want that. Okay, great. Are you ready to buy? No. But you just asked for that thing. And here's the tricky thing. We're humans. We're messy. We're living our little messy lives, right? And doing our little messy work in the world. And so are all of the rest of us. Like, so... Yeah, it's so hard because how do we find that autonomous, sovereign space where we're like, yes, this is the 52nd sweater that I put on this week and it looks different than all the others and I'm totally fine with that and be okay with the fact that some people are going to think it's the best thing I've ever been, I've ever put on. Some people are not going to give a shit and some people are going to be angry, like mad that I put it on. What do I do with that? I actually want to have you know people in my life too. Weird. Yeah. It's I, human beings fascinate me because I think we we do all of this stuff too, and we try and make sense of it all, right? Here we are j- just having a conversation, trying to make sense sense of our own experiences, right? And each of us are on these different paths and we don't have the answers other than to say you viewers listeners and all three of us we have the answers as individuals but that's really scary that feels like oh shit i have to be a grown-up and be an adult and have the answers i mean do either of you get scared of this whole like i'm an adult and
2: have the answers thing ever yeah yeah. Um, I, again, that's a story, right? That's a, that's, that's something we were brought up to believe is that adults have all the answers. Uh, they know everything, uh, about what's going on in the world. Um, and, and that's just not true. Um, but as we right, that, that's that self-discovery place that we lean into that, um, and, and figure out what that looks like for ourselves. Um, it brings up a question around expectation, right? And that 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 oftentimes we have this this bar that's set, and an a plus plus bar uh, too, right? Can be seem really high, and that we have to operate to this standard or to this level, and 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 that creates that path we were talking about. I think is that this must be the path that gets me to that bar. Um, or this must be the path that, that, that helps me excel in whatever that I'm doing. And, and those expectations and those paths are really become unrealistic um, at a certain point in our lives. And we're just not, it just doesn't make sense anymore. But we're so fixated on what that is, that expectation, that achievement, uh, right, that we have to achieve uh, all of these things to be successful. Um that's really kind of what comes up for me when we're talking about, right, talking about that.
0: Yeah, I know, Regine, you, you said earlier, my career was my playground. Mm-hmm. And this idea of playground, right, with expectations, there are rules, yep. there are rules on every playground. Some people follow them, some people don't. But when, we think, when you think about your life in particular and, and your career journey, but like holistically as a mom, all of those different aspects, where do you allow yourself to play?
1: I almost want to say everywhere. Um, I, th- yeah, I think honestly everywhere. Um, everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, at this age, I'm trying to decrease my play around my finances because I have a growing daughter, but before everywhere, um, I played in my career, played in my parenting choices, played in my relationship, the kinds of relationships I had, um, romantic, um, and friendship. Um, I played in like where I wanted to go, where I wanted to stay, how I wanted to live. And so everywhere. And, um, I have negative 3000 regrets. Um, Uh, I did a lot of things most people would have never done. Um, Certainly not somebody who had the capacity of the corporate lawyer to do otherwise. Um, Yeah. I, 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 or I should say the one thing I never allowed myself to play in, I never allowed myself to, you know, starve um, and not be able to provide. Mm -hmm. So I, I, but aside from that everywhere I've, I've taken, I've, I can't think of a, a a a career decision that has not been off the beaten path. Um, and so, even when I was in Haiti and I was working for this small nonprofit, the place where I decided to install this fishery, even people who were living in Haiti were like, "Why would you do that?" And so it was like it was like a, a further step um, beyond. And um, I, have, I have no I have no regrets in... The one thing I understood at a very young age, even though I couldn't articulate it, is that if I let people guide me, I would suffocate. And I knew from an early age is that that suffocation would lead to such a low quality of life, it would be as if I wasn't living. And so, um, yeah, yeah, certainly in my career. um, And I think on the flip side, 13 years later, I have like a cadre of really important skills that are transferable all over the place. And so that helps. I mean, if I showed up here today and I had no skills, that'd be, you know, maybe I would have, I feel differently, but I have a very attractive resume, I have an attractive career path. I have great skills that are so transferable. And it was largely because I just let myself be and, and go where, where, where I wanted to go.
0: I love that. I love
1: that.
2: Um, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, I think that play thing is my, a little bit of my golden nugget today. So we kind of started off as like your career is your playground, but really it is about understanding like, that when we can step off the beaten path, when we can be open to experience and experimenting and playing, um, and, and, and learning and unlearning along the way, uh, that's where those real gems lie. Um, we get to find those little secret places on our journey that um, just light us up inside. And so for me, it really is about like like taking play to to almost that next level and saying like, let's just kind of unhook from this seriousness of some things. And when we can play and be open, like who knows where that takes you. And in any, like this isn't just career stuff, right? This is in any in any bucket of your life. Um, So that's about my nugget is I really, I really that playfulness that release that let's see what's going to happen. If I do this um, space, I love it.
0: And Irene over on Facebook says, love that free spirited flow. It's the greatest. So sounds like that's her nugget as well. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. free free spirited flow for sure. Yeah. What's your takeaway? What's your golden nugget from today?
1: I, I think I, I went into this conversation today feeling like I almost canceled. I almost canceled. or And I was like, I, I can't cancel. Like it's been booked for weeks because I feel very unstable in this process because it's like another move. And I realized it is the noise of other people coming in. And um, I've built solid enough foundations in so many relationships that sometimes I just have to trust myself. And, and so today is a reminder that I don't have to listen to, to everyone. All the time, or any at all. And I have been quite successful at not listening to myself. <laughs> and so, why would this be different? I don't have to listen to anyone. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's my golden nuggets. I just have to get back to my gut again.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I'm so glad you didn't cancel because this has just been a, such a fantastic conversation. I think for me, it's kind of a marriage of, of play. And you use that word suffocation, right? If I, had, if I had dependent on others to guide me, I would have suffocated. And you knew that. And I think that that is what a lot of people are feeling. They're feeling suffocated. They're feeling squeezed. They're feeling made to feel small. And this idea of creating a playground, and being in flow, and having that free-spirited nature, it's scary, particularly if you are an A++ type personality. It's really scary. And yet, there's so many ways to play that don't mean throwing it all away, right? And so just experimenting with those edges, and allowing ourselves to um, kind of move outside of what is creating that feeling of suffocation or squeezing, starts to allow ourselves to play, starts to allow ourselves to learn things in a new way and unlearn those things that are no longer helpful to us. So, yeah. Love it. Um, So, um, Regine, where can people find you out in the world if they want to continue the conversation? Or yes. check out your amazing goods.
1: Oh yeah, for my amazing goods, you go to www.eastandlow.com. Oh, you guys are so prepared. dot That's um, our our children's brand. Um, it, it's the focus is Caribbean stories, but of course, it's um, it's not only for for Caribbean kids. Um, it's for anyone. Particularly, if I often think like if I were parenting a a non child of color, um, like a, a a white child, I would definitely be purchasing these diverse kits and these diverse books because. You know, you'd want to raise your kids to understand globally what's going on around them. And then for We're a wonderful motorcycle. We're off
0: to go get the books.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's almost like I never left the Caribbean. It's so loud. Um, <laughs> uh, and myself is just my name, Regine Theoda. I'm very, I think because I was overly creative in other places, I'm not creative with like my social media presence. You will find me everywhere. But my name is all of my screen handles. It never deviates. My first and last name
0: and do go check out her social media because some of the products that she's talking about and her just amazing family and story, um, she shares some really interesting things. So I highly recommend it. Um, Louise, do you remember what's coming up
2: (laughs) next week? (laughs) Maybe because we just talked about it. We did just talk about it, uh, which I guess is the key, um, to making sure that I am on track Uh, in this podcast. Uh, Next week, Kim and I are going to talk about falling out of overwhelm. As we launch into September and we launch the fall, um, I really want to dive into this feeling of overwhelm that can come with all of these new things that are coming up or or hanging on to the old things that we just can't shake. And so that's what Kim and I are going to be talking about next time.
0: Looking forward to it. Regine, thank you. Thank you for not canceling. Thank you yeah, for being
1: here. I'm so happy this was Love also it. really helpful for me. <laughs> good, good, good. Like a little therapy session.
0: <laughs> Yay. <laughs> well, we hope that everybody else uh, listening had a wonderful experience as well. Um, we look forward to seeing you all back next week. And thank you again, Regine, for being here. Yeah, thank, thank you everyone. so much.
1: Bye. Take care, Bye, everyone.
0: Bye for now.